Welcome back to She Is Becoming. We are a podcast of multi-generational women setting God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find all of our episodes on where we talk about different things like deconstruction, feminism, church hurt, predestination, and more, all on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at She Is Becoming Podcast so you can keep up with us. I am your co-host, Delaney. I'm here in the studio with my co-host, Bev, and I have a question for you, Bev. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Is this question going to surprise you? Have we ever used this question before on our show? I don't think so. I think this is kind of new. You know, it's a new season, season three, so let's switch it up a little bit. It's really funny because we always say, like, our signature (laughs) question, but yet we change it, like, all the time. (laughs) How about we just say we have signature questions just have like an important question (laughs) yeah share a little bit of our life with the listeners I think it's I think it's a it's a fun way to start I agree so here's my question for you where have you been spending time in scripture and why well I have been spending a lot of time in the gospel of Luke Um, Luke is probably my least studied gospel so I am daily reading just a small little section of it And um, I read it over and over again for about a month, and I ask questions of it. I try to put myself in the scene and picture what Jesus is doing here. I'm right there with him. Um, I look at ways that this can be applied to my own life. Um, So it's really been, it's just given me such richness and depth into these different passages in Luke. There's a lot of unique things in Luke. Luke mm. was written to Gentiles, so it's a little different than the other Gospels. And um, so it's fascinating to really dive deep. Um, I read through the Bible every year. However, I want to spend some time really meditating and going over and over and over one particular yeah. small passage um, as just another way to take in Scripture. Yeah. Do you feel like when you like read it over and over and you really sit with it, that like new things pop out to you and you're like, wait, I never noticed that before. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I, I just finished the whole scene where Jesus was in Nazareth. Um, went to his hometown and how, you know, they, they were so, um, they, they just, you know, all kinds of accolades. And then by the end of this little section where he's in Nazareth, they're trying to push him off a cliff. And I said, now what happened here? And why did Jesus deliberately offend them? Yeah. Um, so that's been rich. And now I'm in the part where Jesus uh, preaches from Peter's boat. And then he tells him to go out and catch fish. And fish, they say, well, you yeah. know, we worked all night long, but because you said so. Mm-hmm. I'll do this. And that passage ends with now you're going to become a fisherman of men. So that's where I am. I'll probably be there all of September in just that section. Okay. I love that you do that. And it really helps like probably give just such a more accurate picture of who Jesus actually is. I mean, it's that whole thing that we talked about in our deconstruction episode that people have an incorrect view of God and Jesus. And so they make their own crazy theology off of what they think Jesus is like, and they pit him against God and just all of that stuff. So I'm like, that's a really good way actually to prevent that or have those kind of conversations around that. It it is. And also, um, I'm I'm finding that I'm having greater intimacy with Jesus. I actually read Mm -hmm. Through the Bible, I do that first thing when I get up, you know, I'm, I have my daily readings. And then when I go to my prayer time, I switch spots and I start it with this reading. So it's it's a meditative time. It's not just reading to get that total picture of scripture mm-hmm. in my mind. This is how I start prayer. And that usually then springboards as I turn go into my prayers. So that's something new I'm doing that I'm just loving. I love that. We're here with you with that. That mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been rich. 
Okay. Well, we're talking we have, about something else today. We are. Yeah. We are. Um, scripture is a wonderful topic, but today we're going to, we, we, when we hear the word doctrine, we can immediately detach our interest. Like, yeah, sounds, oh, snooze, sounds boring. <laughs> snooze. Some think this is about as exciting as math theories. <laughs> Honestly, that yeah. sounds, that makes me want to bark. I know. Math theories. I know. I know. Well, we may have a lost, really, our understanding of what doctrine is and why it matters a great deal in the church and for every Christian. Mm-hmm. We don't realize it, but we need this. Yeah. We tend to want the goosebumps of God's presence instead of impersonal truths. But the fact is, they're very personal. But yeah. let's define doctrine, just so we're on the same page, and why it's important. Then we're going to go into the doctrine of justification today. Justification, kind of a big word. Often we can just glance over it in our scriptures and not really understand it. Justification is important to understand if we want to fully embrace our forgiveness and our new standing before God because of what Christ has done for us. You know, we all struggle to truly accept forgiveness and live in freedom from guilt. Um, and Delaney and I are going to share on this episode the effects of uh, on our personal lives that this doctrine, how it's become very personal to us. Yeah, and I am one of those weird people that doctrine does give me goosebumps. Like, I don't know, I'm kind of nerdy, and I really like to get into the all the things and how the doctrine came about and the church history behind it. I don't know. Am I the only one? No, you're not. You're not an anomaly. Okay. Maybe for your age, though, it's a little unusual. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, but you are unique. Thank you. I yes. appreciate that. Yeah. Creating yeah. the image of God. That's right. Okay. Well, let's just start out here with a definition of doctrine. You Great. know, we always like to start by explaining our terms. Mm-hmm. So doctrines are ideas, but they really are just, they're more than ideas, though. They are the foundation of our understanding of the world and our place in it. So doctrine is not something that's man invented, right? which is a huge point. Mm-hmm. Rather, it is taking the truths of scripture and then putting them into concise terms, which gives us a greater understanding of what it is to believe in our triune God. So that's a really key point here. Is It is. It's not something different from scripture or man-made. Mm-hmm. It's taking the truths from scripture and consolidating it so that we can grasp it better. Yeah, that's why if you've ever heard the term like, oh, that person is doctrinally sound or that church is doctrinally sound, that's what that would mean is that that church would adhere to scripture as its authority and would adhere to the truths in scripture. So understanding doctrines of the Christian faith will deepen our faith and it will bring us closer to Christ. Um, That's been a huge thing in my life is just wanting to know all these things really has given me a depth in my faith and just honestly is really motivating to actually learn what these things mean. So doctrines are important to the church um, because they reveal a passionate commitment to communicate the essential truths about God and our faith. Doctrines also help us grasp and communicate. Um, Doctrines tell us the truth about who we are and what God has done on our behalf. And the gospel is simple, but has great depth and doctrines really help us grasp that depth. And so we know that if you look back in church history, that doctrine is something honestly worth dying over. I will say like, if you look back to church history, I mean, people like were put to death for going against um, like the typical religion of the day because they were standing up to standing up to them with these sound doctrinal beliefs. But specifically in the Protestant reformation, 
just to give you a brief overview, there was this theological revolt in Europe against the Roman Catholic Church. Um, the Roman Catholic Church was, you know, super legalistic, but even more than that, um, they were totalitarian, abusive. Um, they would excommunicate people. I mean, it was a severe time. And then famously, the reformer monk, I forget if he was a pastor too, Martin Luther, um, he famously wrote the 95 Thesis, where were, which were all these doctrine points from Scripture that the Roman Catholic Church had mishandled, had been false teaching, and he nailed them on the door of a church in Germany, a Catholic church. It was a huge deal. It sparked all kinds of conversations, um, and he got all of these from Scripture. A huge thing that was a part of the 95 Thesis was that the Roman Catholics did not practice faith alone. Again, they were super legalistic. And so from this became this thing called the five solas, which is something that we at Grace Church believe in and practice today. It's that through scripture alone, salvation by grace alone, salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, is just, it's a key part of our faith. And so we see it throughout scripture. Scripture supports it. And like like we defined earlier, the five solas are just a way to put it in a succinct way that makes sense. So you can just explain it to your friend. If you understand it, it's just helpful to know the basis of our faith in that way. Absolutely. I appreciate that little history lesson there, Delaney. It's very important to understand some of this history um, and where it comes from and what those words reformation even mean. It's important to doctrine, the, t the discussion on doctrine. So thank you for that. Yeah, because we've been impacted by it and we're going to do an episode on it. Yeah, I, I think. think we really should. I we love are. those, the five. And, yeah. you know, just to go over that and to, to re relate it back into scripture would be so helpful. Mm -hmm. But just knowing those five points and really knowing them um, really will help you to fight error. Yes. And it's a good baseline. Yes. You know, you can go mm -hmm. back to this is what scripture says. These are the main points in right. scripture, the main right. themes. Like. Right. But we can be so... Um, uh, taken off course so easily today mm -hmm. with so many thoughts about so many things in it. And they try to undermine these very basics of our faith. So mm -hmm. that's why it's important. Every Christian really needs to understand these things. But let's get back to justification. Yes. <laughs> I think that's our topic today. Let's define, now you defined a doctrine. Now I'm going to define for us the specific doctrine of justification. Justification um, is the gracious act of God in forgiving and declaring righteous the sinner who believes in Jesus Christ. And this is right from Romans 3, 24 through 28, where you really get that context of that definition. And also in Galatians, yep. another few verses in there that are very specific about what that is. God didn't close his eyes to our disobedience and pretend we did not sin. Mm. This is why I don't like that phrase, justification, just as if I'd never sinned. I yeah. don't like that because no, no, justification is all about we have sinned and this is what God has done. I, I feel like we have to remember what we've been saved from. Yeah. And that saying just, um, doesn't do that for me. It, it's a little undermining and like he just glossed over it. Yes. Instead of sending his son to pay a massive price for right, it. Right, right, right. It, it lightens the, the seriousness of sin. You're right. God's holiness required him to punish our sin. Jesus bore that penalty by dying on the cross for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans 4.25 and 5.9. He was raised to life for a justification. What does that mean? Well, justification is a legal term. 
In our justification, God, the just judge, pronounces our sins forgiven and pronounces Christ's righteousness as ours. Mm-hmm. One a yeah. writer from a few centuries ago called it the great exchange. Yeah. Well, and that brings us back to an episode that we did a few years ago about God's justice where we talked about this part of God that we like to gloss over that God is just and that God has to punish our sin. But then that makes what Christ did so much sweeter. Yeah. You know, exactly. Exactly. We can't take part of the story out and yeah. only only look yeah. at the end of it because we don't we won't fully appreciate it unless we see where we've been and where God has taken us. Amen. So here's justification. Rather than being condemned for sin, believers who have believed in Christ are declared morally righteous in God's sight. Therefore, we don't have to pay the penalty for our past, present, or future sins. Romans 8, 1 through 4, if you want to look into that more deeply. But think about that. It's, it's our standing. Some people don't understand that, well, um, then why do we have to keep doing all these things and why does sin even matter? But it matters a great deal. It, this is our standing before God is one of righteousness. We're still going to have our struggle with sin as long as we're in this world. But we've been given the Holy Spirit who helps us have victories over those sins. Yeah. We're, we're not alone in our struggle here. And part of the struggle is what sanctifies us and helps us to become more Christ-like. Well, and that God sees us in both in those two ways simultaneously. He sees us positionally as justified like you described but then he also sees our day-to-day sin and is also helping us in our process of sanctification so it's it's both at the same time yeah that's how much god loves us don't yeah. he? he's yeah. so involved in our life he's not off and remote he is right there with us so now picture god as judge he removes believers guilt because christ took the place of guilt for all of us who believe again romans 5 2 Corinthians 5, Galatians 3, God does not give believers credit for belief, for keeping his law personally. He does not give us credit for doing that. He gives them credit for being united by faith to Jesus Christ, who kept his law perfectly as their representative, as my representative, mm-hmm. as your representative. Yeah. That's what we get credit for, not for our little brownie points of trying to clean up our life. Yes. That's part of sanctification, but not part of justification. Mm -hmm. Believers are justified into a new life, a new life that reflects Christ's righteousness. Justification is God's, listen to this carefully, justification is God's one-time irreversible act of being declared righteous. Mm -hmm. It's not a process of being made righteous over time. That's sanctification. There is, in Romans verse 1, I love it, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes. Paul is talking about justification there. Yes. So that's a good point to bring up, is that what condemnation means in that context. I have often thought of it as, okay, like... um, I'm not going to be judged like in a way that when people look at you and they judge you instead of thinking of condemnation as a legal thing, like you're condemned to death in hell. Yes. Yeah. So that's on death row. Yes. So that's actually what condemnation means in that context, which I'm really glad you brought that up because that's that can be really confusing. Well, and we can want it to mean 
that I can do whatever I want and I won't be condemned. Right. You know, kind of grace abuse. (laughs) Yes. And that's why it's so important that we're looking, we're interpreting scripture correctly. You're looking at the other points in the passage because that is misquoted a lot. It, It is. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Adele, and tell us some more about our the, the study that we're doing here now uh, in a couple of books. Yeah, so this year for our women's ministry Bible study, and actually for our whole church, we are studying the books of Galatians and James. Galatians has a ton to say about justification, hence the reason we wanted to do this episode. Um, I want to talk to you about what Galatians says about justification, but I think to understand these verses, you first need to understand what the law means. It's a term that is used a lot in Galatians. It is. And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of confusing because the law can, some people think that the law means um, the Pentateuch, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. The law can mean like the Mosaic law. That's covered in Exodus and Leviticus. Some people consider all of the Old Testament a law, uh, the, the law. Um, but when you're talking about the law in this context, we are talking about the Mosaic law, the, the ceremonial law. So that would be primarily found in um, the later part of Exodus, all of Leviticus. Just finished all of Leviticus with my child, and let me tell you, that was rough. He's four, so that was that was an God interesting. God bless you for doing that. Yeah, it was a lot of summarizing. <laughs> But you know, there's there is a difference between the moral law and the ceremonial law. Yes. Yeah. Can you explain that? Would you say that the moral law would be like the Ten Commandments? Yes. Okay. Yes. We are not free from the moral law. Yeah. Jesus even said, "Not one iota of Scripture is going to be taken away." However, the ceremonial law, like why we don't sacrifice anymore, yeah. why we don't have a tabernacle anymore, um, that those kind of ceremonial law were all pointing to Jesus Christ. It yeah. was, he fulfilled every one of them. When he said he fulfilled the law, that's what he fulfilled. Yeah. He also fulfilled the guilt for breaking the law in us. So truly he fulfilled the law. We don't have to do those ceremonial laws anymore. They were all pointing to Christ. Yes, which is a really great point to bring up, Bev, because some people do say that because Christ came to fulfill the law that we don't need to follow the Ten Commandments anymore. Right. When the Ten Commandments are really the heart of the more of the law. And um, also they were confirmed by Jesus in the New Testament, which is why we still follow them. And when Jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, he was saying that he fulfilled the Mosaic law, keeping it perfectly. So that's why we still follow the Ten Commandments. And it's another means that God uses to draw us to himself. Because if you look over the Ten Commandments, you know I'm a sinner. (laughs) Yeah. I am a sinner. Yeah. That is a key point. That is something. So as I was studying with Jax in Leviticus, we did a lot of summarizing of Leviticus. I certainly hope so. Not all of the things. Um, But really the heart of it was that he could understand what the law was for. And so my four-year-old, he can tell you that the law pointed to our need for Christ. Yes. Amen. It pointed to us falling short of the law. It pointed us to um, right and wrong. The Ten Commandments show us what's right and what's wrong. So just saying. Um, But that's that's the point of the law is that the, the law reveals what sin is. It points to our inability to keep the law and Christ's ability to fulfill it. Yeah. The law shows us that we need Christ. Exactly. And even and it also shows us it points to Christ. So the law was something before that pointed to Christ than Christ's coming. And who God is. Yes. Who God is. I look at those Ten Commandments and I can come up with an attribute for each one of them. Don't lie. God is truth. 
Yes. Don't commit adultery. God is pure that and should, holy. Well, that should give us such safety in law. We we often think of rules and laws like, oh, I would negative, never. Negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, man, God can never sin against me. Yeah. He can't screw me over. Yeah. Like that's a big deal. In that today's should, vernacular. <laughs> yeah. That would that makes me feel safe yeah. though, that he's his character. Um, so when you hear the world the word legalism. Yeah, good um, point. Like if somebody is legalistic or religion is legalistic, um, it's best defined as, and I got this um, from a pastor that I love, is that legalism is the conviction that law keeping is the ground of our acceptance with God, the ground of God being for us and not against us. So obedience and legalism are not the same thing. Stop. That is huge. Yeah. Because a lot of times people think, oh, I, you know, obey. I mean, I don't want to hear that God wants me to obey. That's legalism. I'm free now, I thought, in Christ, right? Right. Yeah. They're not the same. Because They're o- not the same. Because obeying God ought to come out of our heart motivation to honor him exactly. and out of our belief that God knows what's best for us. It goes back to those attributes you were talking yes, about. Yes, it does. Which is a great way to teach the Ten Commandments. I actually should have done that with Jax. You can always re- uh, revisit. Yeah, I'm going to have to because that's really that's a good way to think about it. But legalism is hardful, is harmful, mm-hmm. and it's anti-gospel because it's anti-faith. It is. And so this is what the Roman Catholic Church that we were talking about earlier, this is what they were stuck in. That's why justification is so, that was such a key part of the whole Protestant Reformation, is that it was all about what you were doing to be saved. It was anti-faith. And in a legalistic religion, you are always striving to do enough which you can never do. And so honestly, you're if you're in this mindset and you're believing this, you're not living in the freedom that's found in Christ because you're always striving. You can't ever rest, honestly, and cuz your salvation's not kept. What's yeah. A, what's enough? How much is enough? How long? What right. kind of works? That's not it's, freeing. Uh, oh. Oh my goodness. I'm so thankful we have the God we do. Amen. I think of that life and it's just it's there's no peace and there's no um Security. Yeah. Amen. That, so that's that's what we mean by law. This is what legalism is. That's how it kind of fits into this whole justification conversation. But going back to Galatians, Galatians 2, 15 and 16 says, We are Jews by nature, not sinners from the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Okay, that's a little wordy, not going to lie. I had to read that a couple of times. So go look that up in your Bible and take apart. I had to take apart each little piece of that, Galatians 2, 15 and 16. Um, but, but, you know, look at the key word here. How yes. many times was justification said in that those two passages? Uh, three times. Three times, yeah. yeah. So faith frees us from the ceremonial law. Amen. And in believing Christ justifies our sin, is made we're made it's made to look as a sinner so the gentile would mean the quote-unquote sinners in the eyes of the legalistic jews does that make sense absolutely okay that that's what they were called they were sinners yeah so they would have been looked at as a sinner by the legalistic religion of the time the jews okay but in a court of law if you disobey the law you will be declared guilty that's common sense it is what you deserve and if a judge is fair he would declare you guilty instead god declares us not guilty which is unfair because <laughs> we deserve to be guilty we are guilty we are mm-hmm. um but he declares us not guilty but ma- because this was made possible by jesus's fulfillment of the law before his death and resurrection 
So now you can be declared not guilty if you have faith in Christ. So when Christ, when God looks at us, when we still sin on the earth, he sees Christ's blood covering our sin. It's called the imputed righteousness of Christ. He's looking at Christ's righteousness. And because Christ was righteous, he imputes that righteousness onto us. And when God looks at us, it, it it's this whole as if we had never sinned kind of mentality that people think of, although we don't love that term necessarily. Um, but when he looks at us, a better way to say it would just be that he sees Christ's blood, that he sees Christ's righteousness. Yeah. And I love it when scripture says too, they, he, Christ gives us a white robe. Yeah. So it, it, it had to come from him. Mm-hmm. We didn't have it on our own. Yeah. Or just that you've been purified, that your sin has been cleaned, washed away, the white robe, totally. Um, and so he's, he still sees our day-to-day sin positionally though. He sees us as saints or he sees us as justified. So, you know, like when you're watching something and big red words come up and in it's like in a red square, like when you think of like a top secret word, right. Or like if something like a stamp that says top secret, I think of justified in my mind as justified, like that red <clears throat> stamp right on sure. you Approved. that you've been justified. Approved. Yes. So it's done. You're right. Right. That's how I think of it. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else. (laughs) Um, But this is repeated throughout Galatians. Um, And in Galatians 3.11 specifically, it says, the law does not save you. Doing good things does not save you. You are declared righteous through faith in Jesus. Again, in Galatians 3.24, I love this verse. Therefore, the law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. This was something I actually supplemented with Jacks when I was in Leviticus. We would flip over to Galatians and we would read this and we would talk and have these conversations. It was super cool. So the law can't justify you. Justification is a supernatural proclamation from God on our behalf. And personally, I love this doctrine because what you believe about justification will impact more than your doctrinal belief beliefs. Like it will impact the way that you live. For you to know that you have been declared not guilty despite actually being guilty should leave you with a profound gratitude and humility. Justification is more than a doctrine that we just flippantly believe. It's who we are as redeemed. It's how we can live freely instead of being a slave to sin. So if you know that you're justified, man, we should walk in that. This should be something that we are living out in our day-to-day life. It should be something that has deeply impacted our, our soul and also our actions. Truly, truly. Well, thank you, Delaney, for taking us through those, those references in Galatians. It's going to be very helpful as we study that. You know, Romans, though, is another book in the Bible that gives us more insight into the doctrine of justifications. Romans 3.24 and 28 really support what you have shared with us from Galatians. Listen to them carefully. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified, there's our word, freely by his grace through the redemption, buying you back, that came by Jesus Christ. Every one of us have sinned and need God to make this right. We are powerless to atone for our own sin. Mm. Scripture says we're dead in our sin. That means we're powerless in it. We cannot save ourselves. Verse 28 in Romans 3, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. You know, it's human nature to want to believe we can just try to be a better person and we'll get right with God. Or people won't even commit their life to Christ. They'll say, well, I'll get, I'm going to clean it up a little bit first before I feel right 
praying or coming to church. Well, that is literally culture. Like you've just described culture. That's what they believe. They believe we're all inherently good. (laughs) If you, you know, if you're a decently good person, you'll make it in. Yeah, exactly. I've heard an illustration that I always kind of keep in my mind. It sounds absurd, but it's kind of like trying to swim to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. That's about how possible it is. Yeah. Because we are sinners by nature, nature in us is Mm -hmm. our, our, we are related to Adam, Mm -hmm. the sinful man. So we're sinners by nature, but we're also sinners by deeds. Even our good works are stained by sin if we do not have faith in Christ and his righteousness imputed to us. I love that you brought that up. Sorry, I just threw a pen. Because that's a good point that what you just said of that positionally we were sinners before we sinned. And then by what we did, we were sinners and how Christ's blood covers both of those. So justification is now filling in that positional center piece. And then the sanctification is that daily walk of now I still sin, but Christ's blood is still covering my sin. Right, right. And we need to see that because sometimes people reject the idea that we're sinners by nature. Yes, and they try to convince themselves that, you know, they really haven't lived so bad. They've been tried to be good people and haven't killed anybody. So surely God will accept them. Yeah. But that's not it. We're sinners by nature, by nature. And so that means mm-hmm. all your good works are tainted um, because it means that we're doing it for ourselves. Yes. We're doing it for our own glory, for our things. And it's... It, it, and because we still have this sin nature, everything is covered with that. Yeah. And it's, and it's that it goes back to that passage that even if you do a bunch of good stuff for yourself on earth, God will look at you in heaven and do it like, it, I don't know, I never knew you. It yeah. doesn't matter. That doesn't. isn't, that isn't what restores a relationship with God or grants us eternal life. That isn't mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That isn't it. Thank goodness. So here's the truth though. When we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, Christ's perfect keeping of the law becomes ours. Remember, he was sinless. These are very important doctrines um, that we need to know is that Christ was sinless. He was the perfect man. He now, we are now through faith in Christ are related to Christ, our new head, no longer related to the sinful head, Adam. We are related to him now. And so we have a righteous standing uh, before God. This is a gift. Yes. Because of God's great mercy, grace, love. We are told here that we are justified freely. Mm. Delaney, yeah, freely. That means not by works. Mm-hmm. We are justified freely or without cause. Mm. Not earned by us. Yeah. It's an act of God. Yeah. We, we one time, Bev and I were in a Bible study where this became a little debate. And that was a really interesting <clears throat> conversation because somebody said that because you accepted the gift that that was a work. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Oh, I remember it because I had the same thought early on in my faith and yeah. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I yeah. think I t- talked too much. Honestly, it was great. But this, this though, understanding this nullifies exactly. that understanding. Sure. Yeah. All right. I want to give a little illustration that um, a, a former pastor talked about. Um, it, it reads this. Listen to this. On June 13, 2000, a deaf couple stood before a judge. Judge Donald McDowell in Fairfax, Virginia, it was in a courtroom, and they offered no rebuttal to their landlord's complaint that they were behind on the rent. Their recent marriage had unfortunately resulted in their loss of disability benefits, Mm. most of which had kept 
you know, a, a roof over their heads. Now they were $250 behind and had no hope of making up the deficit. So they were living very humbly. John McDowell, the, the judge, couldn't disagree. The landlord was due his rent. The couple was indeed guilty of nonpayment and justice could not be set aside. Nevertheless, the judge's compassion would not allow him to drop the gavel. Not just yet. Once the attorney for the plaintiff had closed his case, the judge suddenly left the courtroom. A few minutes later, he returned from his chambers with 250 in cash, handed it to the landlord's attorney, and said, consider it paid. Hmm. With the transfer of funds from the just to the unjust, the debt was paid and the case dismissed. The law had been satisfied. The defendants were then just or righteous in the eyes of the court. Hmm. So isn't that a, a, a good picture of what happens in this heavenly transaction when we have faith in Christ and we become just. Well, it's a great way to, too, just to show who God is, mm-hmm. that that he's just, that justice has to be satisfied. But yet the mercy and his compassion is the heart of who he is. Yeah. You know? He's both. Yes. He's the one who calls us guilty and the one who removes the <laughs> guilt through his son. Hello. It is all of God, isn't it? Isn't it the judge and justifier? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There it is. Man. Yeah. Well, so law satisfied, the defendants were just, made righteous in the eyes of the court. And so let's take this to Christ now. Christ's righteousness, his righteous account transfers his righteousness to my lack of righteousness, my debt before God. The debt of our sin against a holy God required what? Death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It had to be the shedding of the blood. And that was all that ceremonial law was pointing to. It required a death. Yeah. Of the perfect lamb. Yeah. So they, they, in the ceremonial law, they would sacrifice animals as a temporary atonement, a temporary payment for their sin. Yes. And you know that well after being in oh, Leviticus. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Every in and out of it. Oh, I'm glad we're free from that, actually. Mm-hmm. So Christ's blood purchased our justification. He, that was the price. He purchased our ju- justification and right standing before a court of heaven. Oh, what a savior. Mm-hmm. So let's just quickly look at Romans 5 as well. That was kind of all in Romans 3. A verse from chapter 8 there tells us some amazing undeserved results of God's justification. I love this list. Listen up. It's in um, Romans 5, 1 through 2, and then we'll look a little further in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace into which we now stand. So what is this verse saying? What were the results of our justification? We have peace with God. We're not an enemy anymore. Uh, God is our advocate. We have gained access into God's wonderful grace, that of getting what we don't deserve. God's grace really symbolizes his love. Through God's act of justification through Christ, God reveals his personal love for us. And when you talk about access, what what would you say that that means, that we've gained access? I'm just trying to think for people who might not may have never heard that. Like, are you, it, would that mean like in the Old Testament, <laughs> access to God was different because we didn't have the Holy Spirit? Is that access to heaven? How would you explain that? I would describe access to God now would be t- coming into a, a relationship with him. Okay. That relationship was broken because of sin. Mm-hmm. And so very simply, it's a renewal of the relationship. Okay. Yeah. Um, access. We, I, I was driving here today and I'm thinking as I'm praying here, I'm thinking, God, I'm not even a pin dot on this earth. I feel so insignificant. And yet you are listening to my every word and are actively involved in my life. 
oh my, you are a big God. So that's, that is having access and appreciating it. Then Romans 5, 9 says more things that we uh, get in our justification. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So the result of justification here is we're no longer under God's wrath. You know, people think, oh, God's mad at me. He doesn't like me. Yep. And yep. and justification says, no, you're not under God's wrath anymore. It's been t- paid, taken care of. Mm-hmm. All of us as sinners are justly under God's wrath. And without faith in Christ, we remain there. It's not that it's not that we 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 uh, sin our way to hell. We already in hell. Yeah. We're already, that's that's yes. where we are. We're already under his wrath. Okay? We do both. We are already bound to hell, and then we do more things that make us bound for hell. Just, just more evidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So without faith in Christ, we remain under God's wrath. But in justification, through faith in Christ, we are giving a new standing, that of righteousness and not ours. And years ago, you used to hear this term, propitiation. And yes. that's what that means, uh, coming out from under God's wrath. Mm-hmm. And then finally in Romans 8, it says, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. He also glorified. Mm. So the results of justification here is that his justification toward us will complete our predestined life, our call, our justification, and the result will be our glorification. Mm. He will complete the good work that he began in you, right? Yeah. Philippians 1, 6, and all of it is going to be completed by God. When we put our faith in Christ, God's decree that we are justified will never be repealed. Yes. I love that. That should be so comforting to us. Absolutely. And something we touched on earlier, which is worth repeating, is this difference between justification and sanctification. Oh, yeah. Clear that up for us. That can get a little foggy. Yeah. So justification, you are justified positionally. That Mm -hmm. is who you are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you are a saint. You've been redeemed. This is who you are. Sanctification is the daily outworking of our salvation. So like it's the daily like, Lord, I need to die to myself today. Lord, help me to obey you today. Help me to honor you. Help me to love you. And so this is something that um, is talked about a lot in James, actually. And James really adds on to Galatians and on to to Paul's teaching in a really awesome way that justification is something that should be lived out. And it's something that's lived out through sanctification. Right, right. It's that impacting the way you live. It's that... um, you know, James talks about that your faith is like dead if you don't have any good works that that have evidence for it. Like if you're not bearing any fruit from your faith, right. then it's, it's like useless. Exactly. Like yeah, if it's, it's dead, it's dead, dead means well, it's not it's not active in yeah. your life, and that proves the validity of it when we see it active. Well, it just shows you too, like when you just know something about God you're not really, and you're not doing it, it makes you doubt that you really know God. Because if you know that you're justified, that's going to impact the way that you live your life. Absolutely. Like how freeing that is. If you know who you are as a, like totally. So Bev, I would love to hear from you um, just personally, like what justification means to you? How has this impacted your life? Huge. First of all, it gives me security. I remember as a new Christian thinking, oh, what if I fall away? Um, and, and I've been kind of bold with my faith. Will I bring others with me? And I just felt this burden. And then through understanding of justification, I realized I'm secure in his hand. 
Yes. That he's got this, mm-hmm. that I am his, and it will not be revoked or repealed. And then it also told me that God loves me. He was willing to send his one and only son to die for my sins, to pay the price to execute justice that I deserve on his own son. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. What more could he do to show his love for us? What more? Yeah. Could you give up, Jacks? Could I give up my two sons? No. I, yeah, no. No. <laughs> Well, and this, not usually, but and this though, <laughs> like, like sisters, as you're listening and you're hearing her response, like this is something that you should pray through too. That is your response. You know, like this is how we apply these doctrines to our life, right? Is through feeling what you said, <clears throat> praying through being thankful, like you said, in those ways. Yeah. Another thing that is a result of justification is it's, it's humbled me. Yes. I realized that um, I'm not earning this. I, I can't take any of the glory at all. I have to be totally humbled and gratu- and filled with gratitude, thanksgiving for him, and live a life of sacrificial service to him. Mm. That's what, and that's being humbled um, by this, this doctrine of justification and grateful. Grateful. I am so grateful for it because it's such a gift. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for eternity. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It makes you want to stomp. Yeah. Like that Kirk Franklin song makes me want to stomp, makes me want to shout, praise him. Yeah. Does Beautiful. it make you want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We got to wrap this up though. Okay. <laughs> okay. I loved our discussion, Delaney. But I want to ask uh, the listeners some, some closing questions. Um, first of all, are you confident that God has declared you not guilty forever in his sight? Do you know when that happened in your life? Do you do anything that resulted in God justifying you? Have you done anything? No. Uh, Did you do anything to deserve justification? Hmm. Have you ever wondered if God is still punishing you from time to time for your sins that you've done in the past, even long ago? How might the doctrine of justification help you deal with those feelings? Will you stop now and pray? Confessing your faith in Christ and asking for his justification if you've never done that or if you're unsure if you have. Will you also pray that you will receive the doctrine, this doctrine as truth that your sins are forgiven and now you have a righteous standing before God? Will you praise God and be forever grateful for this glorious doctrine of justification? Mm. Delaney, would you pray for us? I think that's a right way to pray after this. Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, for making us righteous when we are so unrighteous, for sending Christ, Lord. That should just fill us with the deepest measure of gratitude and thanksgiving and praise. Lord, your goodness and your mercy is overwhelming, and we can see that so much through this doctrine, God. Just how your grace abounds. Lord, I just lift up these sisters today who are listening. Would they sense your presence right now? Would they feel how much you love them? That you have declared them not guilty if they have received Christ in their life. God, thank you that this is not something that we have to work and strive out every day. That we can rest because our salvation is kept by you. Because you are the one who sent Christ and he fulfilled the law, Lord. And thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.